0: Love, talk, radio. On tonight's episode of Confession Session, Nigerian comedian Godfrey says, sometimes it's best to stay out of your hood. Wendy Williams Hunter does a PSA, and why could a black continues to hit on women who he knows he could never? I'm your host, Jen Othello, and you are listening to the one and the only Confession Session! All right, y'all, so tonight is going to be a little bit of a different situation. Unfortunately, Miss Angel Vondrina is out um, handling a family emergency, but we did not want to cancel the show because we noticed that it's just been kind of sort of something that I wouldn't say is happening like common, but we wanted to keep you all interested and to continue to have a consistent flow of everything that's going on. Um, but yeah, my, what's going on in my life? Um, everything has been pretty much, you know, okay, same old, same old, like I always say, um, nothing new. So we're going to go ahead and get started with this show. If y'all don't continue. Please continue to, um, find us on Facebook, on Instagram, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, <laughs> YouTube, SoundCloud, and, of course, our podcast on Blog Talk. Um, Like, comment, rate, and subscribe. I'm going to get back serious as far as on the uh, posting on our YouTube channel uh, because we actually are doing quite well, but, you know, it does take a lot to edit those videos, and I get a little lazy, so I apologize for that. Um, But starting tonight, I promise, I'm not on after the show. I'm going to edit the videos. I'm going to have everything posted. So if you're able to listen um, live or if you don't want to listen to a long-format podcast and it's just certain topics that interest you, because that's what we try to do. We try to just break it up into um, our certain segments. You can just go and check out our YouTube Confession session. So let's get into that confession question. And the confession question is, it's going back to your hood after you have progressed in life, good or bad. Again, it's going back to your hood after you have progressed in life, good or bad. And we get started with those confessionals. Now, it's just me, so child, I'm going to be struggling. I'm going to have to find out, you know, where I'm at the whole night as far as with these topics. But I got it under control, y'all. We're going to be good. You know, just, you know, be patient with me is all I'm saying. And hey, y'all, this is according to W R A L. Um, a couple of songs into J. Cole's Saturday night headlining set to close his inaugural Dreamville Festival. He asked for the stage lights to show the audience so he could see. And the crowd jammed into Diggs Park it was a pretty amazing sight. A mass of humanity stretching well beyond the light's glare. Even if it would really be heard. Cole took a quick poll asking where people had come from. California, New York, Florida, and even overseas. Now I need to know, he concluded, who here from Carolina? The roar was probably audible well beyond the city's borders. Uh, Dreamville represented an ambitious undertaking by both Cole and the city of Raleigh. As the first major concert even at Diggs, it was something of a shakedown cruise to assess how the 306-acre park west of downtown might function as a regular concert venue. All in all, it seemed to go well. There was heavy traffic and long lines in the vicinity to get parked and clear security to enter the concert site. But really, no more than you expect from any gathering of that size. One miscalculation, however, was the number of food vendors. There weren't nearly enough for a crowd this size, resulting in unreasonably long lines for meals. While the rain stayed away Saturday, Mother Nature did not entirely cooperate. Friday brought heavy rains and a day-long downpour that left the festival grounds Saturated, the areas around the two performance stages, one dove rise and lower end towards the farmer's market and a larger shine, one at the top of the hill, where mud pits about an hour into the show. Treacherous footing, especially after dark. Beyond music, Dreamville had an array of artwork scattered around the grounds with the festival name, rendered in everything from sand to sculpture to pink balloons, perfect for selfie backdrops. Extra-musical activities included miniature golf and frisbees and beach balls filled the air. The county fair vibe was similar to what it used to be, like with the Lollapalooza alternative rock tours, which filled up Raleigh's Walnut Creek Amphitheater every year in the early 1990s with the crowds almost as diverse as this one. Some 18 acts performed on two stages with the entire roster, of Cole's Dreamville records accounting for close to half the bill. Cole's star power is such that Dreamville was pretty close to sold out before a line-up was even announced. <clears throat> As for who made the pressure on stage, vulnerable, I'm sorry, veteran St. Louis rapper Nelly still got people shouted along with E.I., Rival Me, and other early 21st century chestnuts. He'll return to Raleigh July 27th, Coastal Credit Union Music Park at Walnut Creek with TLC. Um, Jid J- showed some of the most rapid fire flow of anyone on either stage, and the Triangle's own Rhapsody just about stole the show. Appearing mid afternoon on the Rise stage, Rhapsody fronted a live band with her producer, Ninth Wonder, programming, conducting, and giving the call and response Ooh Wee, Sassy, and other songs from her Grammy nominated Layla's Wisdom album Wit Overwhelmed. And so did a video tribute to the recently deceased Nipsey Hussle, the Los Angeles rapper who was murdered less than a week earlier. Uh, To close the show, Cole appeared on stage in a bright red Dreamville basketball jersey and looked, moved as the crowd chanted his name. Then he started in on Middle Child, a 2019 single that also felt like commentary about Hussle's murder as it concluded, pistol in your hand don't make you real. So, set list also went way back to early days with songs from a few of his early mixtapes. The warm-up, Friday Night Light, back before he was topping the charts, I had classics, but I had no hits. Well, he does now. I just want to say um, I think that is so awesome. Um, I heard about Dreamfield, but like um, the reporter was saying on WRAL, it was something that um, – a lot of people in the area discovered after the fact that it was sold out. Um, I have to be honest, I'm not on social media, for one, and I'm also not, um, like, the biggest J. Cole fan. Like, the music that I do know of J. Cole is kind of like radio play. I think J. Cole, he has more of, like, a cult-like following, so it's like the people that do listen to him are just, like, huge super fans that know everything that he's doing and I keep telling myself I want to listen to his music, um, uh, because I just have always felt like clearly if, you know, everyone else sees the greatness and I am a music head, it's just like why can I not seem to get that much into it besides the music that I hear on the radio or why I'm not I'm not even like checking for it. But um I heard the concert was amazing. A few of my friends went um yeah 40,000 people in one space especially thinking about you know I'm not familiar with the area that uh this was Dick Park um or even that part of Raleigh I don't I live in Durham um I've said that a million times on the show yeah, if you have to think about Raleigh and Durham for anybody in the Midwest it's kind of like twi- twin cities in Minnesota they're both like two major cities Raleigh is the state capital though so it's it's more congested. Um, it has more of that city feel. Durham is, like, more laid back. Um, but, yeah, like, I never really go to Raleigh except for to go out, you know, every once in a while. So I have no idea where it was at. But, like I said, I heard the concert was amazing. They had, like, a huge lineup. the um, performance, Tiana Taylor. I think I heard Meek Mill was brought out. Um, I heard about Nellie. Nelly. Uh, 21 Savage. Um, It was just like all these incredible talents on one stage. And it was just like the fact that they were able to pull that off and it was still like everything seemed like it went on without a hitch is amazing, especially for this area. And it just goes to show, you know, how dope the triangle is becoming. Like to think that, you know, they're bringing like this huge music festival and. All the time, you know, when I meet people and they come to try and go, it's just something that is so, like, nostalgic, but it's, it, it's still, like, vitality and inspiring. And I think that, you know, we, and I'm saying me because I've been here eight years now, are going to be a force to reckon with in a few years. Uh, but I think it's so dope. I'm so happy for J. Cole. Um, I know that he is, uh, like you said, uh, a North Carolina a few, um he is from Fayetteville, but he does live in Raleigh. So I think for him to bring all that here, you know, it's just it just goes to show the, the kind of person he is, you know. So I think it's just super dope, and I am so excited for next year's show. Like, I was telling my friend today, I didn't know about it this year, but guess the fuck what? I am going next year. And with that, we are going to move on to our next topic. All right, y'all, and this is according to TMZ.com. Kodak Black apologized for something he clearly should not have done in the first place, disrespected Lauren London, the grieving girlfriend of Nipsey Hussle. Kodak went on IG Live Saturday with his Mia Copa, though somewhat half-hearted. He said he was sorry for disrespecting her, even though I didn't. As you know, on Saturday, a video circulated of Kodak calling Lauren and whole widow out here. He went on to say he was willing to give her a year of crying and shit before making a move on her. Just Incredible from Power 106 in L.A. tweeted the station was appalled by the disrespectful, poor comments, and they will no longer play his music. Former uh, Welterweight Championship boxer Andre Berto told us Saturday in Beverly Hills what Kodak did was super disrespectful because Nipsey Hussle's murder was so fresh, and Kodak would serve himself well by staying out of L.A. And Kodak's apology? He did say Nipsey inspired to do inspired him to do more in his community. Um, As TMZ reported, there was a huge memorial service for Nipsey, who was murdered a week ago, um, which was Sunday, um, at L.A.'s Staples Center. Um, also, Big Boy from ninety two point three The Real just came down hard on a black saying, He won't tolerate disrespect like this toward royal royalty. In Nipsey and Nipsey has one more in London. Um, Big Boy says hip-hop culture has a tendency to look the other way on moments like this, but he argues that has to change and that people from the community have to hold one another accountable, including Kodak. It doesn't sound like Big Boy is committing to not playing Kodak's music on the airwaves like Jesse Credible did, but he does say he hopes this helps change minds going forward on what to say and are... Kodak Black was extremely disrespectful. You know, it's too soon. I mean... At what point, like, what is the whole reason of saying that at all? Like, nobody cares. You look like a toad. Like, you will never have a chance with Lauren London. That could be a year from now, five years from now, 27 years from now, you know, when she's retiring. You know, you are you, and she's Lauren London. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm sure in the back of a lot of men's minds, because she is I mean, come on, like we have to, we have to be real, Lauren London is, you know, somebody that I remember from my childhood having a crush on her as a gay man. Like she's very beautiful, she's very talented, you know, she seems like a down to earth like overall good woman, you know, so I'm sure eventually people are going to be wanting to deal with her. But give this woman and i and I know she's not gonna go through life being a widow either. She's only what, like thirties? You know, Nipsey. I'm sure, you know, rest in peace, he's looking down, and he wants her to probably move on with her life as well, and his family does the same thing, but this is just too soon, like, the man just died a week ago, like, she don't give a fuck about none of that, like, she's still grieving, she's going to be grieving, you know what I'm saying, like, she is not about no nigga not trying to get no new dick like and if she was it would not be from you It would be from another boss another king something that you will never be clearly with these ignorant comments that you continue to make like he was just hitting on uh on young man who's a whole lesbian not only that like a butch stud like now you hitting a Lauren London who's a fresh widow? Like, what? Come on. Like, I understand, like, you want to be comedic, but just, you got to have some tact. Like, that's not classy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, it's just some things you can't joke about. And somebody's husband passing is one of those things. Like, I would be disgusted if I were to lose my spouse. And people make jokes like that like i'm not trying to hear that shit right now i'm still trying to figure out how i'm going to move on with my life knowing that this person that i've been connected to at the hip for the last 15 years is no longer here with me to help support me and vice versa anybody think about no damn thing. come on kodak roll the fuck up and with that we can move on to our next topic All right, y'all, and this is according to Hot New Hip Hop. In the midst of the media chaos surrounding Woody Williams' personal life, the talk show host delivered a public service announcement today to highlight a new option for addicts who are seeking recovery. Hi, I'm Wendy Williams Hunter. She says in the TSA that uses her talk show set as its backdrop. My organization, the Hunter Foundation, recently launched a nationwide hotline to offer treatment resources for if you are a drug addict or substance abuser. One eight eight the use of her full married name made folks think that the speculation regarding the dissolution of her marriage was nothing but rumors. While others took it as Williams strictly correlating the foundation with her family. The calls are being answered by a specially trained, certified recovery coaches. She continues, they're very smart. They conduct screenings to determine your needs. The substance abuse will be taken care of. Contrary to photos and stories of the host being down and out, Williams appeared bright, bubbly, and sober. We will provide you with referrals for long or short-term treatment at facilities all around the world, detox, rehab, sober living, and outpatient centers everywhere, nationwide, the 54-year-old says. If you're an addict or a substance abuser, don't be ashamed. Help is here for you or a family member or a loved one. Call Don't Be Ashamed. There's hope. I'm living proof, she concludes before directing viewers to the foundation's website. The foundation recently launched about a month ago, and the response has reportedly been incredible. 10,000 calls in three weeks is remarkable. We're doing our part by getting the word out, Williams said in the statement. All it takes is one call to get on the right path. We're here to help. Um, John, I forgot where I was at. On Tuesday, Kevin Hunter Williams' husband, um, Kevin Hunter Williams, who's Wendy Williams' husband, told E! News, Wendy and the family are doing fine. We are focused. Her health and sobriety, and that is it. He also claimed that their main focus right now is on their foundation. Happy Wendy Williams. You know, shout-out to her for, you know, wanting to, you know, realize and, and focus on treating her addictions and then also wanting to help, you know, many people who are suffering from the same. You know, because addiction, you know, is real. You know, I suffer from, you know, addictions. Not as far as like anything not extreme, like substance or anything like that. But it's just, you know, when you have habitually done something in your life on a a, a constant basis and um, good for you. You know, it, it isn't, you know, a healthy habit to have. It, you know, it stops your progression. You know, it's it's slowing you down in whatever ways. You know, you have to look at it as an addiction. And I think the fact that, you know, she is trying to get control of hers, I think is awesome and to also want to help, you know, people who have, you know, suffered in the same ways. You know, I, I also have dealt with substance abuse, in, you know, in my family as well, and I've witnessed it firsthand. But, you know, thank God it's never – I've never lost anyone due to substance abuse, and, you know, um, it's never just been, like, too treacherous, but at the same time, I know where it can go, you know, and with everything that's going on in our personal life, I'm sure that has some, you know – some ways to do with the triggering of her wanting to relapse because I know she was like clean and sober for many years and she didn't get help behind it and that is something too, you know. Um, initially, like her not getting treatment the right way, you know, going to classes and you know getting a therapist and, um, you know, sometimes you have to you have to take medicine and everything to you know, to relieve yourself of those addictions. And you just go cold turkey. I feel like it's going to and always be a part of your life in the back of your mind. Like I've seen people personally go, you know, ten, fifteen 15 years without using drugs, and then one day something happens and it just snaps. And, and that person, you know, it's all the way out there and, and it's for good. You know, so I think it's awesome that, you know, she's now – you know, trying to get a hold of it, and it's not taking her out yet. Um, I am going to continue to support Wendy Williams. Um, I wish her the best. I hope that the rumors of her separating from her husband are true, because I do feel like he has uh, a lot to do with her and her relapse, you know, and I feel like she, in that marriage in general, you know, it's a lot of things publicly that we don't know. But, you know, it's getting whispers, and Charlamagne has spoke about, you know, that that man has put her through. And she may, it might now just be coming out, she may just be dealing with it, but I want her to get the help that she deserves, she needs. You know, she's an incredible talent. You know, you can say what she says. She talk a lot of shit, and she may be annoying, but, I mean, nobody's done it like Wendy. You know, I, I can't think of. Uh, a black woman who has, you know, been such a force, besides Oprah, of course, you know what I'm saying, like a Wendy Williams. Like, you have to give credit where it's due and give people their flowers while they're still here. Like, because if she was to leave behind this, it's going to be the same thing that we hear about Nipsey Hussle, you know, that, yes, he's affected a lot of people and and how much of a blessing was to them, but I'm sure he wasn't here that all the time. I'm sure a lot of people looked up to him, but I'm sure he could have got more credit while he realized that he didn't get you know, and it sucked. So we have to continue to support our talent and uplift them in times of crises and realize that they're human, you know, and, and what she may do as a gossip blogger, and there's a, pe- a lot more people who are worse and, you know, don't have the facts and, you know, just out here chasing Cloud with with her is just supposed to be entertaining and we still support them. So let's not continue to beat up on this woman. You know? Let's uplift her and wish her the best. And that is it. And we can move on to this last topic, y'all. All All right, y'all. All All right, y'all. Last topic. that's all I say. I want her to hear that. <laughs> because she always goes back and check out the show. I know she's going to crack up on the show. But I always say, like, last topic super long because I'm usually trying to find the last article, and I'm, like, struggling through my phone because it's, like, a lot going on. Like, right now, she's usually in, in charge of the boards, and, you know, I usually have, like, my topics, topics and shit in hand. I'm not knowing what's going on. So, now, it'd just be a damn struggle. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. But, anyways, y'all, this is according to v- Vlad, VLADTV.com. Comedian Godfrey shared his thoughts to VLADTV about Nipsey Hussle's untimely death, and he revealed that while he wasn't familiar with Nipsey's music before him, he was familiar with the positive message, messages he spread in his interviews. Godfrey went on to speak about becoming curious about Nipsey. After he started dating more in London, and then really liking the things Nipsey was saying in his interviews, including speaking about the positive things that gangs do, also in the interview, God speaks about how much of an effect that you know you hear, like I like I just stated um, that Nipsey Hussle has had of community, how much he's done for people, but at the same time, he was murdered in his hood, and he was saying like what does that do for you, you know? Um, is it best to stay afar, or should you continue to go back to your hood and help and, and want to change it? Because, you know, we hear all the time how people get lit, they move out their hood, you know, and then a whole different group of people, I'm going to say the mainstream, I'm not going to tack on to any race because a lot of different races that are doing it besides black Americans. And they, you know, they go into these disenfranchised communities and they buy up shit, they make it pretty, they move in their groups, and they push us out. And he was saying that Nipsey recognized that and he was trying to keep us in on the wealth that we are missing out on, the generational wealth that, that and the, um, the race wealth gap. You know, he was trying to include us on that, but ultimately him being in his hood, him not being far removed, him at his store all the time is what caused him death. you know. And I think that is a very interesting statement, and that brings me to our confession question. All right, y'all, confession question, confession question. Is going back to your hood after you have progressed in life a good or bad thing? Again, it's going back to your hood after you have progressed in life a good or bad thing. So I'm torn with this statement ultimately. Uh or with this question ultimately. I see both and I can understand both for I mean, I shouldn't fought Nipsey. Like that's that's incredible that he wanted to help his people. You know, he wanted to he wanted his community to change. You know, in his life, and I'm sure he has set a plan, and somebody else is going to put that into action. But at the same time, I cannot fault someone who gets their money, leaves. You know, come back once a year to visit because they probably still got a grandma in that neighborhood or or some shit like that, you know, and donate, you know what I'm saying? But they aren't really connected to that part of of them anymore because that is scary, you know, and that is something that, you know, I think about personally. I feel like a lot of, you know, God's people saying. People get jealous. Like, they are thinking, like, this motherfucker ain't that lit. This motherfucker can't. You know, blah blah. it, come back, thinking they be shit, they trying to shit on us, help us out, when he was, when he was. You know, they saying that all the men, all uh, Nipsey said was, you can't be around here, you're a snitch. Like, we know you're a snitch, you can't be around here, and that was enough for him to lose his life because he told this man that. Really? So you know it some underlying shit going on, not to mention the guy was a rapper on top of that. You know, it was some underlying hate. He probably didn't have a good presence when he was there. You know, I'm sure if he would have put him aside, it would have been like, I'll be low-key, I just want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure he would have gave a, a, a care package. or I, I don't know. I don't know how gang culture works, so don't have me get to get so hard. But I'm sure that, that Nipsey's approach wasn't bad because at the end of the day even though Nipsey, you know, represented the renowned and the polished and, you know, it will show what game culture does, at the end of the day it is still the row of sixty cris, you know. So I'm sure it is some dangerous acts, aspects to that, you know, and it just it, it's fortunate that him wanting to uplift his community and still want to show like I don't forget where I'm from, him buying up the block that he was on that they said he used to sell weed in front of, which is just incredible. It's the same block that you die on. And it was another interview I wanna say on um I think I think it was little I think it was Lil Bootsy that said it on Black and he he said you know, stand in your community. After you have progressed, when they have seen you as this person, as this back man, as this Asian nigga who people thought wasn't gonna amount to anything, always, you know, had to help you out, had to give you rides, you was a broke ass nigga and then all of a sudden you you know what I'm saying, you lit. And people still see you in the same way. It's like it's you're not going to be um, what is the word I'm thinking? You're not going to be referenced the same, like you're not going to be appreciated the same around these people as you are to the rest of the world for those same accolades, people who have not seen you, you know, at your lowest point. You know, like i just thinking about, and I by no means am not comparing my life to a Nipsey to child, I ain't shit at all. I you know, I, I am proud of myself thinking about where I've come from and, you know, what I'm trying to do. And, you know, the things that I have been able to afford myself at 28 years young. But just thinking about the people that I have grown up around and, you know, that that I was at one point really close with and how the majority of these motherfuckers ain't, they don't give a damn. They're not supporting me in nothing. Not in this podcast, not in any of my business ventures. Like, it's just, It's just a a certain way motherfuckers move when they're not happy for you when they are still at a certain place in their life, you know. So it it is a double edged sword. Like ultimately, it is like you want to help the people that have that understand and and ultimately were a part of making you who you are. But these people are not where you are. You know, they and it's not it's not to shit on anybody, but it's they don't have the same mentality, you know, they they're looking at you totally differently. There probably is a little bit of jealousy, envy, a little bit of hate. You know, and you just gotta watch the people that you are around. And in the words of Monique and Vivek Fox, you got to get you some bitches that, that can roll with you because you'll be stuck for the bill at the end of the day. At the end of the day, you're going to be the rich nigga around all these motherfuckers, and eventually you're going to be a lick to somebody. Somebody's going to look at you like you a lick eventually. That's all I'm saying. Eventually, somebody's going to be looking at your ass like you are a straight lick, and ain't nobody got time for it. So on that note, we're going to go ahead and end the show. But before I end the show, I just want to confess my love for him. and this is season two of uh, one of my favorite uh, podcasts, uh, and they were created by, I want to say, is it How Stuff Works and Gimlet? Media, yeah, I don't know. But um, the first thing that did, Atlanta Monster, um, and with that, you know, it revitalized. If you are 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 not familiar with Atlanta Monster, in the seventies, they were. It was a group of children that became missing, eventually found murdered. Um, over like twenty children, and um, it was two adults as well. And video ultimately is kind of an unsolved mystery. Like they pretty much have the guy, you know, and there were also people who um, who thought that they were victims or could have been victims, and they said that they definitely recognized Wayne Williams, and, you know, and, and part of me I feel like that was who did it, um, but they still don't have, you know, viable evidence to prove that The man did it. All I know is after he was arrested, the murder stopped, and there hasn't been any of those crazy murders since. Um, So in my opinion, I mean, he could be a a victim to, you know, false, no pretenses, but I highly doubt it. So keep his ass locked. But anyways, they had a a season two, and that was to follow um, the Zodiac Killer. And this was the same thing in the 70s, unsolved murders. Um, of different groups of people, but he didn't have – well, they, they don't know who did it ultimately, and this is still like – I think they have a sketch. I think the person that they said they think did it is dead, um, but I'm going to say from 1968 to 1972, some somewhere around there, or 1974, 1978 well, – no, 1974, I'm sorry. 1974 – in the 70s. Um, there were, you know, several people who were murdered, and um, someone was taunting the media, talking about how they murdered these people. And um, it just investigates that, all of it, and it's very creepy and it's very scary, but it's, it's also very informative, you know, because they talk about psychopaths and how, you know, these people are literally, you would have no clue, you know, who these people could become. You know, it it it's fascinating to think that someone that and not in a good way. It's just when I say fascinating I mean like very it's very interesting that someone you can look at as totally innocent and you know the super great person, you know, could be a mass murderer. You know, and it and you in your mind trying to justify how could this be, you know, so it's just them trying to uncover that is, you know, it's, it's really good. I, I suggest you all check it out. Um, if you haven't listened to season one of Atlanta Monster by How Stuff Works in Gimler Media, listen to that. After that, listen to season two. I'm currently on episode 11. Um, I think it's like a 15-episode series. Um, but, yes, yes, really good. Um, and also touch on that, too. Um, I was listening to Khalil Kane on The Breakfast Club uh, this morning, and he said something similar because he played a rapist in For Color Girls, and he was saying how um, – what did he say? It wasn't like he didn't, he didn't sympathize with um, – he didn't sympathize with the character, but he was just saying, like, how personally you can look at – this innocent person, and they could be like a serial racist. I don't know. It's just you know very fascinating stuff, you guys. But on that note, I'm gonna go ahead and end the show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We appreciate the support. Angel Jr. will be back next week. I love you all so much. You know this has been an incredible journey. It'll be three years for us in June. Um, you know this, this is something that we just sit and we do and we talk and we bullshit but we are going to kick it up a notch because, you know, we're not going nowhere. We want to reach more people, you know, and, you know, we want to be out here. Like we want to be, you know, how y'all, how I feel about, you know, my, my, you know, podcast idols and and, um, social influence idols like Forest Rock and the Reed and Charlamagne with the brilliant idiots of the breakfast club, you know, we, want to have the same like listener following and you know, we want to get to that way, you know. I want to get away, eventually get away from, you know, the celeb topics and stuff like that and and just focus on stuff that interests you all, stuff that interests us, you know, you know, our community. Um but yeah, thank you all so much for tuning in. Don't forget, like I said, to like, comment, rate, subscribe and we are on YouTube, SoundCloud. Um, this podcast is also on Blog Talk Radio, of course. That's what if you're tuning in right now. Um, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, support y'all. Continue to support, and thank you so much. You know we love y'all so much. And with that, we are going to end the show. I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. Don't forget, check us out every Sunday. 6.30, 5.30, 7.30, Eastern. next Sunday, <laughs> I don't know, and the angels too. thank y'all so much, I'm your host, General Fellow, I love you, angels, and you are listening to the one and the only Confessions, Good goodnight, man.